Welcome, Jameson, to the podcast. Feels good. Feels good. I'm excited. Jameson's out in LA, and we went. I'm in Charlotte, and we went to college together. And I still have a. I still remember one time we were going somewhere, and you asked me to wake you wake you up because I don't know we went somewhere together. Yeah. And I tried to wake you up for like ten minutes, and you were like the heavy, heaviest sleeper on earth. I am terrible with that. Uh, to this day, I have like four alarms every morning, and my wife hates it. And I, I sleep through every single one of them. She's just best to it. It's, I think it's hilarious, but she just so, checks. That's hilarious. Awesome. So, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Jameson has been back on Instagram lately and talking about mental health stuff, and he's been through a ton. And I. I just wanted to ask you about your story and what happened and how you dealt with everything. So, um, yeah, give us a few uh, details about your dad and what happened. Sure. Uh, just a little bit of backstory. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, and my dad, uh, growing up, has always been a pastor, just of a, a small Christian church. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm a PK. My, my grandpa was a pastor. My uncle was a pastor. So I, I come from a long line of, like, PK, you know, uncle's kid. There's also a lady, sorry, who's literally having her dog right by my car. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so from like a long family of, you know, pastor's kids. And my dad was a pastor up in Oregon for about 15 years. Uh, went down to master's, which is where obviously you and I met. And then about four years ago, um, it's actually the day before Thanksgiving. I was uh, face or sorry, two days before Thanksgiving. I was FaceTiming my dad, and my mom, uh, and I have a I have two daughters now. But at the time, I had just my one. Her name's Avery. Uh, she was about ten months old, and we had about a two and a half hour FaceTime, which was pretty unusual. It was pretty crazy. Like we don't do that. It was usually like a quick thirty minutes, and then you know we have to keep going with our lives. Uh, but we just we didn't hang up, and then uh, I go to sleep, and about. 4.30 or so in the morning, uh, I had like a really bad panic attack to the point where uh, um, like my whole body was shaking to where I actually woke up. That's funny that you mentioned that uh, earlier. I woke up in a sheer panic attack. Um, I wasn't in any pain, but my whole body was shaking and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Yeah. And it. You said that was the first one you've ever had, right? Yeah, it, it was weird. Yeah. Like it was one of those situations where even my wife like, she like she like leaned over. She's like, "Are you okay? Like, can I get you anything?" I was like, "I'm fine." Like, we were having a full on conversation. However, my whole body was going into like shock, and I didn't know why. Uh, it lasted for about three or four minutes, and that was it. And then um, I go back to sleep. I went up, woke up, got to work the next morning, and <clears throat> I had a I got a phone call from my mom, uh, and she was explaining how, uh, you know, dad wasn't doing too. well. Well, uh, there was firefighters there. Um, and the way my mom and I always talked was when she would say dad, she met her dad. So that would be my grandpa. And so the mindset as she's telling me this story is that like my grandpa had passed away and he had Parkinson's. So we were kind of anticipating it at some point. So I wasn't really truthfully wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Uh, and then as she got further into the story, I started to realize like weird clues of like, why my grandpa would be downstairs and like, you know, why he's at the house. And then it started to click, uh, that she was actually talking about my dad. And so I, I stopped her. I said, mom, you're talking about grandpa, right? And she goes, no, Jameson, like your dad, you know, and this is the guy that 
you know, six hours earlier, we were FaceTiming for two and a half hours, right? And so, at and you that, guys are, yeah, just, just, you guys are like extreme, we're extremely oh, close, right? extremely yeah. close. Like the, the bond my dad and I had, like, I consider myself extremely blessed because I don't and have not seen a relationship like my dad and mine's in anyone that I've ever known um, outside of obviously the two of us. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things when <clears throat> something like that, that happens, you know, you realize how close you actually were with the person, you know, in the following weeks. Um, but fast forward, uh, I get home, which by the way, I blacked out pretty much like the entire day. It was the day before Thanksgiving, which is the worst travel day ever. I got the last two seats on a flight out of Burbank to go up to Oregon. Uh, and from when I, I found out that he had passed until I got home, I remember like 15 minutes of that whole day. And I had gone on two separate planes. I had traveled a lot. I had done a bunch of different things, but I was in shock so bad that I genuinely have no idea what happened. I still, to this day, can't tell you. My wife can because she obviously was, you know, she wasn't in as much shock. But um, yeah, it was how pretty. Long, how long did that last? Months. Uh, yeah. The, the shock itself, obviously, you know, you're there. And it, have you ever, this sounds weird, but have you ever seen that Adam Sandler movie, Click? Mm, I don't think so. So, back when we were in college, there was a movie called Click. And basically, like, it was, it was this whole premise, like, this guy had a remote control. And it would, like, fast forward his life. So, he would, like, skip traffic. But then he'd go into, like, autopilot. And that's basically where I was for, like, six months to almost a year. Yeah. Uh, there's parts of 2018 and 2019 uh, that I just don't remember. Right. Um, because I was in shock so bad. Uh, and also just trying to figure out. Speaking of, my mom just joined. Hi, mom. <laughs> uh, so fast forward, I get home. And my mom is telling uh, everyone that was there the story about how my dad passed and the kind of situation that they woke up to. And she's telling the story. And about she, it was about 930 in the morning when she was talking to one of the firefighters. And she said, like, you know, can you tell me like best guess time of death? And the, the uh, firefighter looked at her and was like, well, you know, based on these signs and these symptoms, we're probably thinking about five hours. And as soon as she said five hours, both my wife and I, like our jaws dropped. We, we started freaking out. Uh, and so the panic attack, that's how close my dad and I are because the, uh, the same time I had the first ever panic attack I've ever had, was the same time that he was having a heart attack and that's when he passed away. Yeah. And that story just blows my mind. It, it was weird, Matt. It was weird. It was one of those things like, you know, you look at it saying like, okay, that's how close we were. But then I also look at it from a perspective of, you know, God's just like, Hey, I've got him taken care of. Like you're okay. But yeah. It was, it was weird. Like it was I, very, <laughs> yeah, it's just so wild. I feel like you guys, maybe you just had such a spiritual connection yeah. that that's why. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the next couple of weeks where everything you do after somebody passes and kind of go through the motions there, but what's up? Uh, yeah. I, I'm curious too, just like how, how, and like why and how were you and your dad so close? Like what, what built that up? Sure. Uh, the, the cool part is, is like my dad was a pastor, but he was always very much like you love people like Jesus love people. And so, um, just from a young age, like I always was taught to accept people for who they are and where they're at, not where we want them to be. And the reason I say that is that's how my dad like lived his life. You know, it's one of those things where 
you know, you could talk to anybody that knew my dad and he lived out his faith as best as somebody could. And so I think part of it is I had that example growing up. And to me, that was just normal. That was a Tuesday. That was a Wednesday. Like it didn't, it didn't change. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Cause that's how I was raised, you know, and being raised in that kind of fashion, I think gave me a mindset that, um, I need to love people in that way. So I think that's one. And then two, my dad was just always there. And I don't mean that in like a creepy way. Uh, like my dad was at every soccer game. He was at every function that he needed to be at. Um, you know, he didn't miss things. Like if, if I had a game at three o'clock in Washington, it was two hours away. He was the one driving us. Like I, he just was always around and he always made himself available. And then, on like a more serious note, you know, when it came to like stuff in high school that a lot of people I think deal with now, my dad was very honest about it. He's like, Hey, if you get involved in these things, please call me because I would rather pick you up and be frustrated than, you know, not have you be around because you made a really bad mistake. Right. And so having that like direct, uh, like mindset of like, I can be and talk to my dad about anything no matter what it is. And he'll look at me and say, okay, let's figure this out together. I think was, um, I, I think that's why we were so close. I think he was, it's cause he was always there, but then he always, he always treated me like an adult. even if. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, would you, my favorite story actually is that tattoo story. Could you just say that? Do that one. Yeah. So, so uh, kind of going back to where my dad, you know, loved people. We had a, a nice lady show up one time at our church and uh the story mostly is like her grandma or somebody was connected to our church in some way and so she uh as a young female she you know lived her life and did all the things that she wanted to do and she started to go down a pretty bad path and so she showed up to our church just looking for some place to feel welcome some place to be like accepted and um <laughs> i still get like uh, chills thinking about this story. And I was only 15 at the time. Uh, so my dad was talking to her um, after service one day and he was just, you know, complimenting some of the tattoos. He was, again, trying to meet people, trying to meet her where she was to make her feel welcome. And she, he was asking her about some of the tattoos, like their meetings and stuff. And so she's loving it. She's like, I totally feel welcomed here. This is amazing. Then fast forward like five minutes, this guy comes from around the corner uh and basically came up to her and said hey are those tattoos and she accepted the question as if this guy was gonna be super welcoming too and so that led to him going well if you have tattoos i don't think you should be at our church i'm so sorry to say that but i don't think tattoos are appropriate oh wow <laughs> in front of <laughs> in front of the head pastor he says this <clears throat> and so uh my dad that was a sunday uh, by Monday, he had the idea. Tuesday, he had the uh, the artist. And by Wednesday, he had a tattoo on his calf. Uh, and the tattoo itself is basically like, um, it's a like a kind of rough mountain looking spot. And then like a really nice, you know, snow covered mountain peak. Uh, mm. And it has a cross between the two. And then the bottom of the cross kind of fades into a river. So that way you can see that the only way to go from this part of your life to this, you know, promised land, if you will, is, <clears throat> excuse me, is through Christ. And that was the whole concept of the tattoo. Uh, and so now the following Sunday, he gets up in front of like 200 people and basically tells them, you know, we're going to be a church and a people that love people for who they are, where they come from. 
Um, and if tattoos aren't accepted at church, then consider this my resignation. Turns around, pulls up his pant leg, this massive tattoo on the back of his calf. It was- <laughs> I never heard. I never heard that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he uh, and basically it was a it was a way of just, you know letting people know like we need to meet people where they are, understand who they are, you know, and accept them as Christ loved them, not just for whatever you know wherever somebody else wanted them to be. But yeah, it's a it's a wild story because as like a 15 year old, your dad is not just talking about his faith, but he's living it out and he's putting his job on the line just to make a point that needs to be made. Right. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. No, that's that, that story is one of the, the coolest things ever. I love that. Yeah. It's nice. Especially from a pastor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So rewind or fast forward, fast forward. Your, so your dad who you're super close to, dies and you're you're married with one kid right at this point yep married I was you're married like 20 years old like 24 like 25 24 like that yeah and so in a in a year or two yeah you go from getting married maybe having a kid yep and your dad passing yeah it, in 2016 i get married 2017 or uh 2018 i have a kid uh and then 2018 my dad passes so yeah within that like two years yeah so you go into shock and then what happens couldn't tell you no uh (laughs) you know a few months go by um i end up getting a new job which at the time was a great job to be a part of um so you know i i it's just one of those things like i i kind of did go on autopilot with the mentality of doing whatever i had to do for my family um, and then about a year and a half, yeah, about a year and a half in after my dad passed is when things started to pretty, take a pretty bad negative turn. Uh, and this is something that I'm, you know, I'm now getting over and through, which is why I'm starting to post about it more. Cause I think, you know, what you're doing it, you know, no man as an Island is, a, is phenomenal because I, you're right. I don't think people talk about this stuff. Um, but basically after about a year and a half after my dad passed, I, uh, I hit a pretty bad wall, um, and I really took to pretty much just whiskey and alcohol to help ease any sort of pain. Like, um, I wanted to just stop thinking about things. I wanted to stop caring about things. And so, um, you know, there was a point where, and I, my wife is an absolute dream. I don't know how she put up with me, but the fact that she did just, she is a godsend for sure, because there was nights where. I would have two or three glasses of whiskey, like full whiskey glasses, uh, just to get to sleep. And I would end up passing out on the couch. Um, and I did that for months, you know, because I just, I couldn't handle the pain. I couldn't handle the frustration. I couldn't handle the stress and just, you know, going through all that. And the hard part of it too, is I felt really alone. And so the easiest way to ease the pain that I knew was to turn to whiskey and, you know, just kind of take, which is what, a ton of guys do in a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, Especially mentally too. I think like that's the foundation of it. A lot of times is, is pain, whatever kind of pain it is. And so you're turning to something to make you feel better. Like I just read a stat that said for both guys and girls, like depression rates have gone up like a hundred percent in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, Well, even the last few years, I feel like it's probably escalated. Oh yeah. Yeah since covid they just don't even have the stats yet from that (laughs) 
Yeah, you're not yeah. wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, you were, you said, you, so you obviously, maybe it made you more isolated because you're grieving for a long time. Yeah. Um, how'd you get out of that isolation period? There's a couple things. Um, first and foremost, one of the biggest ones was therapy. Um, I didn't go to therapy for like the longest amount of time, but um, I think the biggest thing I learned from therapy that I still talk about this to this day is uh, my therapist looked at me and said, Jameson, you have two new, at this point, by the time I'm in therapy, you know, you have two kids, you got married, you lost your dad, you started a new job, you're doing this, you're doing that. And she listed off like 10 separate different items. And she said, you know, even if like having a kid, right, that's one of the most amazing things in the world. And she goes, but that's also a, a stressor. You just added an entire new life to your world. And so she, she looked at me, she said, she goes, you know, you've added so many different items um, in your life and different stressors that most people do over the course of like 15 years. She goes, you did it in like four and a half. Right. She goes, so there's no doubt in my mind. thing one uh was just hearing that you know because as a guy you're like no i can handle it i can handle it it's on me i got it no i don't need anybody else um but also understanding like when she said that it kind of it was like a light bulb was like okay i can't handle this and i need to be okay not handling this um and being able to just kind of give into it sounds weird but as a guy like give into your feelings and like actually feel that pain yeah. Um, yeah, was probably one of the biggest like kind of like turns. That's right? big step. I, yeah, and once I realized like that, once I realized that like things became a lot, lot easier to talk about. Um, I definitely found um, like a good group of people that I knew I could tell things to without feeling judged. Because as a guy, again, you got to feel. 